there is a way to combat the demonic forces at work in America. It's called Revival in the Church. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, we are going to have a great broadcast today. Your hearts will be stirred, edified, challenged. Michael Brown, welcome to the broadcast. Yes, by God's grace, we serve as your voice of moral sanity and spiritual clarity in the midst of a society in chaos in a church all too often in compromise. Number to call 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. The bottom of the hour, I'm going to be joined by Mario Murillo speaking about a new book he has coming out in January about revival in America, how we can combat demonic forces at work through revival. But I first want to talk about Chick-fil-A. Uh, Chick-fil-A leadership recently made a terrible decision, one that is alienating people like Mike Huckabee, who called for the boycott when there is a boycott called for Chick-fil-A. He called for a boycott and stores just flooded, flooded with Christians showing their support and solidarity for Chick-fil-A's Christian principle and biblically based core values in so many ways. Well, they've made a terrible decision and we're hoping that they'll change that decision. For those who aren't familiar, I'll tell you exactly what's going on. But first, I'm reminded of the words attributed to Winston Churchill that appeasement is like feeding a crocodile and hoping that it will not eat you, all right? So you're hoping it'll eat you last, right? So you keep feeding it. That's what appeasement does, all right? Appeasement is just temporarily pushing away the opposition that's inevitably going to come rather than dealing with the problem. For many years, I've said, many years, that the unspoken mantra of gay activism is we will intimidate and we will manipulate until you capitulate. And Chick-fil-A has just capitulated. I'm reminded of years back when World Vision, one of the most important Christian organizations on the planet, meeting the needs of poor, suffering people around the world, where they made an absolutely dreadful decision to recognize same-sex, quote, marriage among their employees. I mean, absolutely dreadful decision. Now, thankfully, they repented of it instantly. But I got wind of it through an employee telling me what was coming down, what was about to happen. I got wind that the word was about to get out. So I shared it first to my knowledge on our our radio broadcast on the line of fire. So in our New York City station, but across America, we got the word out immediately And I wrote an article immediately on the apostasy of World Vision. Oh, this is a massive issue, a major issue to capitulate there was just absolutely shocking and utterly, completely uncalled for. And it seemed to tie in with government loans they wouldn't get unless they changed their viewpoint and so on. And and people that were higher up within the organization that were openly gay and wanting to have their relationships recognized. Whatever the cause was, there was an outcry from Christian leaders all around America and in other countries, and they instantly fixed it. They apologized. They got things right. 
When I met with leadership subsequently, they said it was temporary insanity is the way they basically put it. You know, 24 hours, they fixed it. The then president of World Vision or CEO, uh, was it Richard Stearns? He did what he called a repentance tour, you know, meeting with leaders all around America in smaller groups, uh, explaining what happened, confessing the error of it and saying, hey, we're still the organization doing the same thing. That's what Chick-fil-A needs to do now. They need to make an immediate about face. You say, well, well, what what they actually do? I, I thought they just said that they're going to focus on on education and, and homelessness and hunger with their giving. So let, let's back up. For those who are not familiar with the issues, the former COO of, of uh, Chick-fil-A, Dan Cathy, made a comment about marriage, marriage being a man and a woman, and so on, just strongly weighed in on his views on an interview, I believe on a Christian radio station. Well, now he gets blasted, and Chick-fil-A is homophobic, and Chick-fil-A is anti-gay, and all he was saying is what we've always believed for 2,000 years, that marriage is not two men or two women, but a man and a woman. That's what the church has believed for 2,000 years and the Jewish community from before that. All right? No big deal. And has Chick-fil-A hired gays and gay managers? Gay, yeah, always. It served everybody the same. Yeah, of course. But they believe what the Bible says about marriage. No, you can't, you can't, do, you can't do that. That's forbidden. It's off limit. I mean, that's where things have gone. Those who came out of the closet, as I said many years ago, want to put us in the closet. It's that simple. There's, there's no middle ground in the eyes of a gay activist. Just like, candidly, in our view, there's no middle ground. We're like, well, in certain circumstances, it's okay for two men or two women to be married. It's always wrong in God's sight. You see, that offends me. I'm really sorry it offends me. There's no hate in my heart in saying it. There's no anger in my heart. But truth often offends. Truth often offends me. And I have to deal with it because it's true. So what happened then is their giving began to be scrutinized. Wait a second. You give money to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And the Fellowship of Christian Athletes believe marriage is the union of a man and a woman. See, you are anti-gay. You give money to the Salvation Army, even though they feed and clothe and care for everyone exactly the same. Because in their doctrinal statement, they say that marriage is the union of a man and a woman. You are anti-gay and you need to stop supporting these organizations. Now, you know, Chick-fil-A goes on a college campus. This makes me feel unsafe that they're on the campus. This is what's happening. And different protests in different cities saying we don't want them. And they open, a, they, they open a franchise in England and it gets shut down because of protesters. They back away. Well, they've been blessed by God. It seems they've been blessed by God. Their customer service is famous, is legendary. Their community service is legendary. People like their food. I'm not a fast food guy. But if I was going to get, you know, grilled chicken somewhere, you know, just the chicken, that's, you know, Chick-fil-A would be a place, right? You know what I'm saying? Bottom line is they've grown. They've remained closed on Sundays because of the Christian conviction of their founders. And they said Sunday's a day of rest. So bottom line, they've grown, they've expanded, they've prospered despite the opposition. And this has been a great example of say, do the right thing. And God will honor that. Well, they've now backed away. So first, let's look at the statement the way they put it out, right? Chick-fil-A Foundation announces 2020 priorities to address education, homelessness, hunger, all right? Starting in 2020, the Chick-fil-A Foundation is introducing a more focused giving approach to provide additional clarity and impact with the causes it supports, 
Saying true to its mission of nursing the potential of every child, the Chick-fil-A Foundation will deepen its giving to a smaller number of organizations working exclusively in the areas of education, homelessness, and hunger. All right, so sounds good, but what they also did is dropped Salvation Army and Fellowship of Christian Athletes. They dropped them, and those were two that were targeted by gay activists. Now, again, neither of them are, quote, anti-gay they, they are gospel-based organizations, and Salvation Army's actually been a little bit weak on the same-sex issue. Right? In certain parts, they've caved in here and there and, and needed to be stronger in those areas. But either way, you're going to minister to everyone the same, love everyone the same, care for everyone the same, and hold to God's standards. Why? Because you're Christian. I expect Muslims to hold to Islamic standards. I expect traditional Jews to hold to traditional Jewish standards. You expect Christians to hold to biblical standards. What's the big deal? Because you can't. You, that's that's the big deal that we're being told you, you are not allowed to. It is forbidden to hold to Christian biblical values. You're bigoted. You're homophobic. You're transphobic. You're a hater. You're a Nazi. You're a Klansman. And on and on the ridiculous accusations go. Well, instead of Chick-fil-A ignoring the critics and saying, hey, we're blessed by our faithful customers who love us and stand with us and we're blessed by the growth that we're experiencing. No, they caved. You say, well, I don't see anything about caving here. Okay, look, look at this statement. Um, I don't have this to put on the screen for you, but in an interview with BizNow, Daily Wire reported this. Chick-fil-A president and chief operating officer Tim Tassipoulos announced that the famous fried chicken chain plans uh, to make significant changes in which charities it donates to, in part, because, quote, as we go into new markets... We need to be clear about who we are. Amid continued boycotts of the highly popular and successful chain over its donations to supposed, quote, anti-LGBT groups and causes, Tessipoulos revealed that the company's foundation will no longer donate to some high-profile Christian organizations. Quote, as Chick-fil-A expands globally into more liberal parts of the U.S., the chicken chain plans to change which charities it donates to after years of bad press and protests from the LGBT community. All right? <clears throat> there you have it, out of the horse's mouth. Uh, Christian Post reported that Chick-fil-A said, no, 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 Chick-fil-A denies capitulating to LGBT activists. Christian groups won't be excluded from donations. They said, no, 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 we're... We're not sure. We're just changing our focus. Well, they, they said here why they're doing what they're doing. Salvation Army put out a long statement, very upset, and saying, you want to help with education? You, you want to help with homelessness, with hunger? We are the world's number one organization. That's what we do. Help with homelessness and hunger. That's who we are. That's what we do. And yet you quit giving to us. Isn't that a little bit odd? <clears throat> but here's the deal. And I warned, I have an article uh, about this. Uh, it's been shared many thousands of times already just on the stream. I'm sure it's been shared thousands of times elsewhere. A Christian appeal to Chick-fil-A. Uh, read the article, share it with others on our website as, as well, org. But bottom line, you're not going to win with gay activists because it's never enough unless you completely cave in and, and renounce what you believe. Here, you want the proof of it? Okay, glad. 
Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. That was the original acronym. I said it's really the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Disagreement. This, this is what they said. They said, what you did is not enough, all right? That they must include an, quote, unequivocal, unequivocal denunciation of the brand's history and values, all right? So here's what they said. Glad. If Chick-fil-A is serious about their pledge to stop holding hands with divisive anti-LGBTQ activists, then further transparency is needed regarding their deep ties to organizations like Focus on the Family, which exists purely to harm LGBTQ people and families. I mean, what ugly, ridiculous, inane lies. Focus on the Family exists purely to harm LGBTQ people and families. So you're going to have to Chick-fil-A... If you want to be partners with LGBTQ activists and their allies, you're going to have to renounce your Christian heritage. You're going to have to sever all connection to the focus of the families of this world. You have to deny your very purpose as a Christian organization, your very roots. You can't win. Repent, turn back, and God will bless you for it. God of light, hear our cry. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. So let me encourage you not to start sending nasty letters to Chick-fil-A, but to make a Christian appeal to say, we are totally disappointed. I'm totally disappointed with your decision to no longer fund Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Salvation Army. Please honor your Christian base. Please honor your faithful customers. Please do the right thing. Rather than threatening them with a boycott, rather than being nasty, and it's never the right thing to be nasty to to others for, for any reason, but make an appeal. Make an appeal. And, and I urge them in in the article that I wrote last night, I urge them to stand with the people that have supported them for years. Look, that's, that's just what we have to do in life in general, that you've got to stand with those who've stood with you. You've got to honor those who've honored you. you. You've got to show a consistent integrity, regardless of cost or consequence. And even if you lose things in this world, you'll be blessed by God. You say, yeah, but we have a business. We want to expand. Well, how much is enough? What if... What if you could make more money by being open on Sundays? Would you do it? Well, Chick-fil-A historically has said no, because in the view of their founders, Sabbath was, Sunday was a Sabbath and a day of rest and a holy day, so you don't work on Sunday. That was their conviction. What if you could make more money by working on Sunday? Well, their conviction was you don't do it, and either God will bless you and make up for it, or you make less money. Fine. You're never going to make all the money in the world anyway, right? Okay, What what if... If you change certain things and made the food even unhealthier, you could make more money. Well, we, we don't want to do that. We try to make it as healthy as we can for fast food. You, you live by certain values. It's not all about the big buck. It's not all about being accepted by people. Look, Jesus said, if you save your life, you lose it. In, in other words, if you forfeit your convictions and you do what's convenient for the sake of your companions, you, you do what's, what's best for the sake of, of making money, Right? If, if you do that, you lose your soul in the process. 
All right, great. You got 10,000 people coming to your church service. It's because you say, well, anything goes. We don't need the Bible anymore. So you forfeited your soul and you got people. I'm giving an extreme example. For what good? And, and here's the thing you have to realize with gay activists and their allies. There is no acceptable compromise. There is only complete capitulation because it's never enough until you completely affirm their goals and celebrate their values. That's just the reality. All right, so remember years back when we were told you just need to be tolerant and accepting? Tolerant and accepting. Well, already in 2011, in my book, Queer Thing Happened to America, I referenced the, the Riddle homophobia scale, named, I believe, after Dr. Dorothy Riddle. And this was used in colleges, then it got to high schools, and even middle schools, where you would evaluate the attitudes of the students to see if they were homophobic or not. So you say, well, what were homophobic values? What were positive values? Well, as I recall, some of the homophobic values were things like repulsion. You know, we were completely repulsed by you. That would be considered homophobic. But I understand why someone would say that. Okay, that they consider that homophobic. But you know what was also on the list? Tolerance and acceptance were considered homophobic. Did you get that? Tolerance and acceptance were considered homophobic. Why? Well, if I'm tolerating something, it means I think it's inherently or intrinsically wrong. If I'm accepting something, I don't accept my wife. I don't accept my kids. I don't accept my grandkids. They're my family. All right, I'll accept you on the team. You don't really belong on the team, but I'll accept you. So it's still something denigrated. No, no, we were told just be tolerant and accepting. Now we're told that's not enough. Instead, what were the positive values? There should be nurture. There should be admiration. This is what's called for. When A Queer Thing Happened to America came out in 2011, remember, no major publisher would touch it. Three subsequently apologized to me, but no major publisher would touch it, Christian or secular. And a couple of them I talked to, like Zondervan, talked to them and said, no, I don't think it's a right fit. And we agreed, yeah, not a right fit. But others we proposed it to didn't, didn't want to touch it. And we ended up forming our own publishing house called Equal Time Books just to get the book out. And on the back cover, rather than having all the endorsements, we had all the rejections. I didn't mention people's names. I didn't want to embarrass anyone. But it was, you know, the, the book the publishers were afraid to touch. That's what it says on the back cover. And then all the rejections are there. Well, I, I offered when the book came out, I'll go to any college campus on America where I can have a fair moderated debate with a qualified representative, be it a gay activist, be it a sympathetic theologian, whatever it was, anything that I talk about in the book, medical professional, as long as the person was qualified, because you, you want fair representation of the other position. I've said it numerous times, but if I'm going to debate someone to be fair to the other side and to make it a worthy debate, you want to have a qualified representative from the other side. Otherwise, what's the use of the debate? You know, if, if, if I steamroll a mouse, what did it prove? Okay. Uh, so you want to have a fair representative debate with as best as you can qualified people representing the other side. And we put word out with Christian ministries that we knew in different cities or friends that work with Christian ministries in different cities said, hey, check out on your campuses. 
and and see if you can find someone, and we'll have a debate. It'll be a great way for us to express our values in a godly Christian way. It'll be a way to build bridge and have further dialogue, etc., and set a good tone and encourage the Christians to be bold and strong and show them how you could speak the truth with grace at the same time. So any subject in my book, this way I'd researched it. I knew I was qualified to debate it. I'll debate an expert or qualified representative on the other side. And you know what we heard in several states? In several states from Christian leaders who were working with campus leaders? Not on our campus. Christ- Christian leaders on different campuses. Not on our campus. You try to bring it here, we will shut it down. That is what some Christian leaders were told by Christian campus ministries. That's why I've appreciated groups like Ratio Christi, who have always done their best to be bold, do apologetics ministry on the campus, say, hey, we're not afraid to get the message out. But there are others, they had a couple issues. One was, whoa, 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 whoa. If, if we are involved with this, we could lose our funding. In other words, the school is really cracking down about anything that seems anti-gay or anything like that, and we could lose our funding. We could lose our status, our ability to be on campus, and if we're off campus, then we can't help people. Well, it's admirable to want to help people, but you don't compromise the gospel in order to help. Well, you can't be on the campus if you say the, the Bible is God's exclusive word, the Quran is not God's word, or the Talmud is not God's word. You have to reverse your position. You can't be on the campus if you say Jesus is the only way to God. You can't be on the campus if you, whatever, give a list of, of 100 items. If you're told, and these are important to you according to the Bible, all right, well, can't talk about that if you want to stay on campus. Well, no, we're not going to save our lives by losing our lives or, or lose our lives by saving our lives. we got to stand for what's right regardless of cost or consequences. But what really troubled me, and, and this is what we would normally hear. The, the, they didn't normally talk about the fear part. But they said, look, you don't understand. For years now, we have been building relations with gay and lesbian community on campus. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. And we've been meeting with leaders of different groups, and there's been a lot of bridge building. And if you come in and do this, it's going to destroy everything. Okay, number one, they're totally wrong, because my coming in would set a tone of grace and respect and clarity that would only build better bridges. And we've seen that on campuses. We've seen doors open. We've seen dialogue open. That's one. Two, they're deceiving themselves and thinking that the relationship is going to be better because the only way ultimately that it's going to change is if they change their position. Oh, but we're friends. Yeah, yeah. But you have to understand, as long as you still say that two men or two women cannot marry or that you cannot practice homosexuality and follow Jesus at the same time, as long as you say that, they'll think you're nice and friendly, but they'll still say you're homophobes and you're bigots. You have to come all the way over. Just like if someone said, hey, you know, gay activists, we respect your views and those are fine, but we're going to preach and teach that you can follow Jesus and be in, in homosexual relations and that committed monogamous relations are blessed by God. We're going to teach that, you know, gay relations. We're going to teach that. So we're not going to condemn you for teaching yours. We're going to teach ours. Well, I'm glad that you're not condemning us, but you're still in error. You're still wrong. The fact is there is, there is no middle ground. There's the middle ground of humanity, of love your neighbor. There's the middle ground of when a, a gay rabbi performed the, the funeral ceremony for, for my mom who passed away three years ago yesterday that we embraced it at the funeral service. And, and I wrote an article about it, about how to pattern love for one another in the midst of your differences because we're fellow human beings. Yeah, there's middle ground we live in every single day. Let's show love. Let's be good neighbors. Let's be friends. Let's, let's be good employees and employers and work together with everyone. Yes. But when it comes to the gospel, there's going to be division. 
Don't deceive yourself. Oh, but we're getting... No, you're not getting close. You're not... The only thing you're getting close to is falling off the deep edge. The only thing you're getting close to is complete capitulation. If you make plain, we believe, according to the Bible, that under all circumstances, same-sex relationships are sinful and wrong in God's sight, then you're still going to be viewed as a bigot. So let's pray that Chick-fil-A will do the right thing. Let us encourage Chick-fil-A to do the right thing. And if you ultimately say, hey, I've got to send a message with my business, and we're regulars there, but we're not going to be, or our church has done stuff, and we're not going to. You don't want to hurt local employees and employers and things like that. However, you do what you feel is right to get a message to Chick-fil-A, because this, this is a big compromise. This is a big cave-in. This is a real slap in the face of those that have stood with them. Mike Huckabee was very upset over it. Others you wouldn't expect to, to hear from have weighed in with their disappointment. So Chick-fil-A, come on, you're better than this. Do the right thing. We'll be right back with Mario Marillo. You're going to be stirred by our interview. The new book is titled Vessels of Fire and Glory. comes out in January, so you're getting an advance preview today. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. 1971, right about 48 years ago to these very days, God mercifully saved me. I was a heroin-shooting, LSD-using, 16-year-old hippie rock drummer. Little did I know that around the globe at that time, something was happening we often call the Jesus Revolution or Jesus People Movement, radicals, hippies getting saved left and right. And we need something like that even greater in our day. My guest, Mario Murillo, was being used by God right in the midst of those days. He's written a book that'll be coming out in January. So friends, you're getting a uh, an advance preview today. It's called Vessels of Fire and Glory, Breaking Demonic Spells Over America to Release a Great Awakening. Uh, the moment I heard about this book, looked at it, I said, absolutely, we want to bring Mario on to talk about this. So, Mario, thanks so much for joining us today on The Line of Fire. Well, Dr. Michael Brown, I finally get to meet you. <laughs> I think this... Uh has been long overdue. It's an honor to be here today. Oh, my, my honor. I remember uh, hearing you speak on Long Island decades ago. Uh, the atmosphere was electric. It was uh, Assembly of God Church on the island, and remember your ministry and being impacted by it way back, and then hearing from some friends in California that, that God used you to touch uh, over these years. So thanks so much for joining us. Yes, long overdue for sure. Tell us about those days what you saw with your own eyes as hippies, radicals were getting saved, how God used you, and what you saw back then. The Lord led me to the most intellectual, anti-God, Christian-hating campus, I I believe, in the world, University of California at Berkeley. 
birthplace of the anti-war movement and the free speech movement, and I was a teenager. In fact, I was a kid uh, when uh, you mentioned 1971. You know, I was ordained to the ministry when I was 18 years old. Mm. And it was because of the Jesus movement that Ralph Wilkerson at Melody Land, which was 400 miles south of Berkeley, uh, recognized that something supernatural was going on. And thousands of young people were being saved. Uh, the doors to our center, uh, people were knocking on the doors all hours of the day and night to get saved. And uh, it, it was a remarkable supernatural thing. And the conversions that happened were mighty. They were undeniable. And uh, there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was literally like God had chosen to do the imitation. The devil used the imitation, the LSD high, to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was like the devil knew it was coming, and suddenly thousands, and eventually millions were influenced by it, and it literally changed the cultural landscape of the United States. Yeah, and there's so... So many of us in ministry today, I know many of my friends in Jewish ministry, we all got saved about that same time. Yes. Key leaders in the nation got saved at the same time. And those that didn't, they went on to become the university professors and, and, and the radical thought leaders that have taken us in a very wrong direction. Uh, Mara, do, exactly. do, you, do you see a systematic, concerted, demonic attack on America? And, and if so, is America being specially targeted by Satan? Well, I believe that America is the devil's grand prize. I believe he is seeking it with uh, the destruction of the United States is something he salivates about, fantasizes about, and he, he works with unrelenting prejudice to bring the United States down. And he is uh, moving his chess pieces into place, manipulating the media, manipulating education, selling a vast, horrendous lie to our children. And uh, it was precisely what was happening before the Jesus movement. You know, it's, to me, it's like one of the skills that men and women of God need to have is they, they need to be meteorologists, weather people. Jesus said, look at the sky. You can tell the weather, but you can't see what's about to happen. And God was dead, according to Time magazine. Uh, there were more people going into therapy than to church. It was uh, a, a, a president was assassinated. Uh, within a few years, we lost prayer in school. So 72 million children quit praying. Uh, then came not only the prayer ban, legalization years later of abortion. It, it was an astonishing, compressed season of transformation in America. The Beatles introduced an entirely new, you know, you mentioned in your own testimony that the power of music at that time to literally undermine all the values. And what we're watching now is a repeat performance of that. It's the next tsunami to bring America down. Yeah, friends, the new book coming out in January, Mario Murillo, Vessels of Fire and Glory. Do you believe that Satan is overplaying his hand 
right now in America? I believe that, you know, uh, I thought I was going to retire. Instead, I reloaded, and we're mm. taking a tent down the center of California. Uh, the five of the top-rated cities of misery in America are along that corridor from Northern California to Southern California. And uh, we can't get the people into our tent. We're having our meetings interrupted by people wanting to get saved. Mm. Physicians are confirming healings. And it, it, it's all the same thing again. Not only has Satan overplayed his hand, but what he has done is created a misery in our children, an abject despair uh, when uh, it's funny, so many comedians love to refer to snowflakes and the, the easily triggered campus students. What they're not seeing in that is that the philosophy of this time that Satan has created has made our children so desperate, so so afraid of the future, so willing. You know, when people wonder why would American youth embrace socialism. Socialism is the narcotic of a defeated culture. Mm. It is when you say from your little corner while you're in your fetal position, nothing can be trusted except the government to take care of me. That is when they are ripe for the gospel. That's why when you stand up and preach, so many are missing it by preaching a deluded, apologetic kind of... uh, It's really more for the... Christian who has commitment issues, and it's not for the lost. The lost want to hear it plain. They want to hear it straight. They want to hear it with power and with confirming signs. When that happens, and to answer your question, not only has Satan overplayed his hand, he has set us up for the most violent spiritual course correction the youth culture has ever seen. Mm. You know, my my heart is getting stirred as we speak. I don't just say that for the sake of an interview or to get people to get your book, Vessels of Fire and Glory. But I've been preaching for 20 years now about Jesus' revolution. And obviously we see God moving. We see things happening. We've been warning about gay activism and where it's going for over 15 years now. But to the core of my being, I know that shaking is at hand. To the core of my being, I know that God has not written off America forever. To the core of my being, I know that we will see a massive awakening. And and here you are, right on the spear tip of it, as you were back in that day. And the whole, look, during the 60s, yeah, there's sex, drugs, rock and roll, Eastern religion, but we were looking for something. And when the gospel came, we joyfully left everything and follow Jesus. And now you've got kids, right. they're, they're lonely, they're depressed, they're afraid of the end of the world with climate change, they're, they're fighting for social justice, but they don't know which way is up. And here's the remedy, the gospel. So, so as, you're out, as you're out preaching, I mean, give me an example. Uh, you, you painted a picture, but tell me about the kind of people that are getting saved and what's happening to them as they get saved. And uh, you know what? I I am so glad you're the individual who's uh, interviewing me because of your own background, education, and study, because you're going to appreciate what I'm about to say. We set up our tent in Fresno, 12,000 homeless people, one of the most violent cities in America, so much so that the political power structure there tried to ban us because we were releasing the information of what was really going on. Many nationally read about 
two nights ago, there was a mass shooting in Fresno where 30 people were watching a football game, and rival Asian gangs exacted revenge on each other. Mm. Well, we put our tent in the heart of a park called Think White Park, and when we put our tent up, we asked God to move in a mighty way. A young boy named Joe, 19 years of age, addicted to heroin, is driving to his uh, pizza job, delivering pizza. He hears a voice in his car as he drove by our tent on Highway 99, and that voice said, get in that tent. It was 4.30 in the afternoon. He gets in the tent two hours before we're scheduled to begin. Fortunately, the audience came early. We had to begin early because the tent was full. He's sitting there, and mind you, he's got kidney failure. He's Mm. got hepatitis C in his liver. He's addicted to heroin, and he has no idea of what this voice meant, so he's sitting there. I walk out, and you know from your study on the nine gifts of the Spirit, the word of knowledge. I sit there, and I'm seized by a message. Don't preach yet. Walk up to this young man in front of everybody and make him stand. Mm. So I walked up, and I said, young man, and then instantly the Spirit of God, and I'm unworthy, and I give God all the glory, and it makes me tremble with fear to even recollect this, that I had anything to do with it. I stood there, and I said, stand up. You are addicted to heroin, aren't you, son? He said, yes. I said, you have hepatitis C, don't you? And he said, yes. I said, your, your, your kidneys are failing. And he said, yes. <laughs> and I said, there's a demonic power on you that's made you an addict. Found out his parents introduced him to heroin. He suddenly begins to shake. The spirit that was oppressing him and possessing him left. I lead him in the sinner's prayer. And I turn around to do a big victory cheer with the people, and the Lord said, Stop. You're not finished yet. And I walked up to Joe and I said, Terry, Mario, I've got got, got to jump in. Got to jump in. We got a break. We're going to find out the rest of the story. Friends, God is moving. It's time for a radical Jesus revolution among the young people in America. It's happening. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I'm speaking with evangelist Mario Murillo. His new book comes out in January, Vessels of Fire and Glory. Mario's talking about what God is doing as he's setting up a tent in some of the worst parts of California right now and preaching the gospel, and people are getting radically saved, radically transformed. All right, so sorry I had to interrupt you. So you're ministering to Joe, and, and you've, you've had a word for him that he's an, a heroin addict, that he has hepatitis C, that his kidneys are failing. He gets delivered of demons. He prays to receive the Lord, and God says, you're not done yet. What happens? I turn around said, Joe, put your hand on your belly. I said, something's going to come out of you. It's a language you don't understand. But I want you to focus on Jesus who just saved you, because he's going to baptize you in the Spirit to create that supernatural degree of separation between you now and your past. And he was gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
The audience heard it. It was a moment of absolute explosive worship. And uh, this day, Joe is working a regular job. Mm. He is a leader. He's been trained in Christian work, and he is a prototype. And I want to just make this quick, and I'm sorry I lost track of time because you got me so excited. No, no, we're good. We're good. I'll focus. The Jesus movement, ladies and gentlemen, had a gentle matrix because it came out of peace and love. It was acoustic. Mm. And it it reflected what was going on in the the, uh, culture of youth at the time. Now we have gangster rap, we have revolution, we have very militant, uh, ang- I would call it anger, but it's emphatic voices in the culture. Mm. The Lord spoke to me and he said, I have two temperaments, that of a lamb and a lion. And the temperament of the lamb is what we saw in the, the choruses that came out of the Jesus movement. But now we have gangster rap, and we have all of this. And the Lord said, this generation of youth is prophetic. There's something, and a prophet is not someone that flatters one another in a, in a kind of hermetically sealed Christian prayer gathering. Prophet speaks truth to power. They're not afraid to point the finger at a culture that is corrupt and cancerous at the, at the core. And so it's a lion revival that I feel is coming. It, it mm-hmm. has the, the temperament of a lion. It has a fearless, won't back down, will state the obvious, will challenge the moral, moral structure, expose the lies, and with it comes a higher price. But for some reason, millennials are not afraid of the price because their mm-hmm. lives feel so empty. They're not afraid of the fact that you can preach the cross in total commitment, They'll embrace it, they'll be filled with it, and there's fire in them. And that's really what Vessels of Fire and Glory is about. It's founded on 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. It says, in a great house, there are vessels unto honor. If a man separate himself, he'll be a vessel unto honor. And useful for the master's use. The breed of Christian that needs to emerge in the American culture at this time is not harmless. They're not uneducated. They're not. They're not uh, without substance. They're going to be given the ability, as Jesus said in Luke twenty-one, to speak with force. You know, I think that sometimes, Michael, there's a, a misunderstanding of First Corinthians two. Paul said, "I came with you not with the excellency of man's speech." But I came to you with the power of the Spirit so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Well, that had a lot to do with the Corinthian immorality. This was a town where immorality was so prevalent that there really isn't room for any intellectual discussion, like he had on Mars Hill. But that isn't the, the necessarily the pattern. Right now we have Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro Stealing our thunder. They're, they're saying the logical things that ought to be from the American pulpit. Mm. This is why the gender bending, this is why the immorality, this is why all of this makes no sense whatsoever. And, and it's resonating. But in Acts 14, it says that the disciples preached and so spoke that the people believed. 
Jesus said, I'll give you a mouth and wisdom that no man can gain, say, nor resist. Just as there is a place in the body of Christ for preaching that is overruled by signs and wonders, there's coming a place where, like Paul the Apostle, there's light and heat, the ability to absolutely expose the falsehood, the failure, the bankruptcy, the utter idiocy of culture confirmed by signs and wonders. And I believe that's, that's what God is doing. There, Peter the Apostle could not have done what Paul did. When God energized that education, that trained mind, that, that eloquence, not of this world, but of the wisdom of God, where Paul said, how be it we do speak wisdom. That's what's coming in the, the next, the vessels of fire and glory that are coming are these young people who can articulate not only that they believe, but why they believe it, ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within him, to take into the marketplace the irresistible wisdom and might of God. And to and, and isn't that what it says in Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4? It mm-hmm. says, The weapons of all warfare are not carnal, they're mighty through God, is the tearing down of stronghold, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And it's time for the liars the professors, the manipulators of American culture to have their feet set to the fire by prophetic voices that will say, this is what made America great. This is why we stand with Israel. This is why we believe in marriage. This is why we know the Bible is the Word of God. And, and so much of the preaching today is emotional, non-substantive. It's, it's, uh, it's flooded with anecdote. It is conjecture. And it is not the kind of preaching that we saw from Finney and Wesley when entire nations turned to truth. Yeah, I've been drinking in every word and absolutely with you, my brother. I remember 19 years ago, a young person saying to me, give me a cause and I'll die for it. And things have accelerated in so, so many ways in terms of the darkness, in terms of the lostness, in terms of the confusion. And look, the churches that are bleeding are the ones that won't take clear stands. The churches that are bleeding are the ones that are following the wisdom of the world that are being, quote, progressive and liberal. You don't win the world by becoming like the world. And the ones that are growing are the ones saying, let's follow Jesus regardless of cost or consequence. Let's dive in the deep end. And young people are saying, I've been looking to do that. So I am absolutely with you. Hey, we've got two minutes. What will the reader get from reading Vessels of Fire and Glory? First of all, they're going to understand the question, why doesn't God do something? Well, he is, has been and will be. He's rolling up his sleeves to create a breed of believer that is has the fire, God's going to pull the church from Sesame Street back to Azusa Street. Mm. And he's going to speak life in in means that really matter. I expose a section called Modern Crimes Against the Holy Spirit. It's an eye-opening section about why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, how we fired him from his original job, how to restore him and respect him mm. and, and, and surrender to him, and understand that what Paul said was right. He said, 
the Spirit of God has given to us, 1 Corinthians 2, so that we may know what is freely given to us by God. The tactics, the understanding, the proper way to grow a church, grow a business, grow your morals, all under the Holy Spirit. Then I go into the subject matter at hand of how we have abused grace. We've abused understanding what we ought to be preaching. And then we go to the individual, and we, we talk about, in the book, we isolate the, demo, the demonstrated character of a vessel that is uniquely fitted for this hour, that God is forging an answer to the American crisis, and that it's going to be shocking. And now I look at Kanye West, and I'm just going to say this. I'm not going to judge whether he's in or out, whether he's right or wrong. But I believe that his journey is a sign to us of the end of the ability of the world to bring contentment and satisfaction. Mm -hmm. he, he, for him to boldly just stand up, again, I don't know him, I'm not going to take sides on the matter. But I do see an indication that he is the first of a long list of people that are suddenly going to be nauseous with what they've had, and they're going to react to a radical, pure, holy presentation of the gospel with power. And I, I want to tell people that love America, become a vessel of fire and glory. All right, friends, the book... Vessels of Fire and Glory comes out in January. Order it now. It's number one in Christian prophecy, selling already well on Amazon. You want to hear this, Mario? At last we connect. Let's stay connected. You have stirred my heart today, and I know you've stirred the heart of many, many others. May we live to see the extraordinary promises that God's given. It's time. It is absolutely time. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's my honor. All right, friends. Vessels of Fire and Glory. I think you're going to want to read this book. <laughs>